you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. No, I'm only kidding. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to Philippians, amen? But after that song, I felt like it, amen? But anyway, Philippians chapter 3. We need to do a real quick business meeting. How many of you believe that you can find a good wife <clears throat> via internet? Raise your hand, okay? One person. Is that how you found her? Praise God. Okay, well, I know John <clears throat> I know John found a good one um, on Internet, amen? Um, and, you know, you don't put a false picture, picture in there either, you know, and then when you, when you uh, meet them, you say, no, that's not the same picture. But anyway, um, this is going to be like finding a bride on the Internet. We've been praying for the last couple of weeks. Brother Jason approached me about three weeks ago, not for a bride, but uh, to... Uh, that we need another bus, and we was going to have to rent one, and we're going to have to rent a driver. And I had the driver all lined up and everything for vacation Bible school, and also we need to upgrade our buses. And so one of my dear friends, um, and he is a good friend, uh, he's a staunch, I mean, Brother Hatley is so Vols, Tennessee fan that he wore all orange, including his shoes, to teach at our couples retreat. And he preached on it's all right to fight sometimes as long as you make up. Amen. And it was good. Amen. It was and it was accurate. But I didn't like his uniform, so I never invited him back. But anyway, um, he is cutting his fleet from uh, seven or eight buses down to six. And he guarantees that he's got a bus that is in excellent shape. And then he said, call the mechanic. I called the mechanic. And he told me the one bus wasn't that good a shape. And I said, thank you for your honesty. But he said, the second bus has got brand new tires on it, and it's just an excellent bus, and we had not run it in a year. And the reason we're cutting our fleet now is we've lost a lot of drivers and a lot of bus workers. And uh, that's a lot of churches are going through that. Uh, we've gained bus workers during this pandemic. But anyway, uh, this bus has all new tires, and it's a 2000. Ours is a 1997. And I thought, well, they're going to want about $6,500 for it, maybe at the least $3,500. And he said he'd sell it to us for $1,500. And so I bought it. And I was hoping you'd vote on it because I was going to have to pay it out of my own pocket. Now, I know we need to go up there and check it out, but I believe Brother Hatley's the kind of guy that would um, paint it orange before I got there. No, he would, uh, he, would, uh, he would return it if we didn't like it. Or we could sell the tires and get the $1,500 out of it. Amen? So all in favor of buying this... Uh, Internet bride b bus, would you say amen? amen? Opposed? I'm not going to say, of course not. If you oppose it, praise God. Just let the kids stay on the corner. No, anyway, okay, all right, amen. We bought a bus, and I'm praying it's going to be good. If not, I will sell it personally after vacation Bible schools. I promise you. I'll sell it to Brother Gabe because he's the one that saw it on Facebook. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 2. Um, we bought us a bus. I mean, that's a miracle. And he's holding it for us, so somebody needs to go up there and get it back. Uh, I told him I could drive it, but uh, he, he knows I ain't got a CDL license. But, uh, somebody in this room's got a CDL license to go up there and get it, okay? Amen, somebody. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's what I preached on last week. They're both naked, uh, the man and his wife, and we're not ashamed. Continuing thought. Don't let the chapters break your thought. It says, now, 
the servant was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, <clears throat> Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the gardens, and but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And that was a very bad error. And the serpent said unto the woman, <clears throat> Ye shall not surely die. And God doth, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit of thereof, and did eat, and gave in also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God calling in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's what sin will do to you. God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, him, where art thou? And he said, I've heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. All of a sudden they're ashamed. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree wherein I have commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the woman said, and the man uh, and the, the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. That's the first account of a man blaming the wife for everything that's wrong in their marriage. Okay, now look at this. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. I've got to read two more verses. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art uh, cursed among all cattle and among every beast of the field. Upon the belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I'll put him between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture, a divine warning of what sin can do in your life, and in your family, and in your marriage. And Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you, God, that you equip us with the strategy of Satan. And Lord, we know how he works. We know how he wants to divide and devour our marriage, every marriage in here. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to learn these truths to defeat and defend against the liar, Satan himself. He wants to divide and devour our testimony and our marriages. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I pray God would keep me well because a lot of people are getting sick after this second shot. And if not, I was going to turn it over to Brother Kevin. But I can tell he does not want to preach tonight. He wants to relax and sleep on that third pew. No, and he wants to listen to the message. Amen. And so I won't put you on the spot. But he will preach for us Sunday week uh, on Sunday night. of, um, And it's going to be his send-off service. I want you to... Uh, think about that, pray about it, get a good offering up. You know, the devil has your family in his crosshairs. I don't even know what a crosshair is. 
All you that are against guns, you probably never picked one up. But uh, folks, it's not gun control we need in America. It's heart control. And it's sin control. And it's Satan control. And folks, the only way to do that is have an internal change, an eternal change. But the devil has you in his crosshairs. He wants to split your marriage up. You know, one out of two marriages in Dalton, Georgia, are ending in a terrible thing called divorce. Some of y'all been through that. And I don't count y'all as second-class saints. I just think you ought to be more intelligent once you go through something like that, not to advocate it for anybody else. Say amen. The next generation needs somebody to stand against that and stand for permanency of marriage. But in Genesis chapter 2, we see in verse 24 and 25, everything was great. God performed the first marriage, and she was perfect. And he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Uh, he received it, his wife as a gift from God. There was no taking each other for granted. But now the serpent was more subtle. And folks, subtle means he's a liar. And I want to tell you something. There is an attack on the family. Uh, there's three reasons that I've went over. This is the third one. You can go to the second, or first slide, brother, it, uh, that we should count the family as very important. Number one is the foundation of society. I preached on that two weeks ago. As goes the family, goes the nation. As goes the family, goes the church. Folks, I want to tell you something. The devil can split my family up. He's got my ministry. And folks, if he can split your family up, he's got your ministry. Then number two, it is the father's priority. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, I don't see a church established. I see a marriage established. I see the institution of one man, one woman for a lifetime. I see Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Steve Gregory hates that illustration, so he can watch it on the air. It's pathetic. It's sickening. It's, 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 it's rampant. I was so appalled when our president said, we've got every transgender, especially our transgender youth, back. That was in his great speech he did. And I thought to myself, God help our nation if they're going to condone that wickedness publicly from the top. And so don't get me started on that because I'll just get mad about it, amen? So I'm going to stay in the spirit. But you know, a clock that's five minutes um, off is more dangerous than a clock that's five hours off. Just thought I'd let you all know that deep truth. Uh, when you look at a clock that's five hours off, you say, hey, that clock's wrong. Somebody tell me what time it is. But if you look at a clock that's five minutes off, you're going to be late for church. You're going to be late for your airplane appointment. Uh, boy, you wouldn't want to miss that after all you paid to get on that plane. Amen. With seven kids or whatever you got. Amen. And I'll tell you what, uh, he picked up a couple on deputation. But anyway, uh, the, a clock that's just five minutes off is like Satan's lies. Satan's lies are very close to the truth. Matter of fact, you'll find in this chapter, they're half-truths. He tells them, that they'll know good and evil, but he didn't say the rest of the truth, that they're going to experience that good and that evil. The devil always shows you the front yard of sin, but never shows you the backyard of sin. The devil always shows you the first chapter of sin, but never shows you the last chapter of sin. The devil always shows you the living room of sin, but not the outhouse of sin. The devil always shows you the first chapter of sin, but never shows you the last chapter of sin. The devil promises you a Cadillac, you end up hitchhiking. The devil pom promises you pomp and circumstance and, 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 uh, and, uh, 
and an attire of a, a hero and you end up in the rags of a homeless mission somewhere. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. He lied to the first woman on this earth. He lied to the first man on this earth and he'll lie to you. John 8, says he's the father of all lies. And so if you believe a lie, you believe the devil's lie, uh, you're in trouble. But if you believe the devil's biggest lie, you're in real trouble. And see, the devil tells a lie about a big subject in chapter 3. He's not interested in telling lies about little things. He wants you to believe lies about the biggest subject on this earth, and that subject is God. God. God is the biggest subject. This book is about God. It started out with, in the beginning, God. And I want to tell you something, friend, from the beginning to the end, the theme of this book is God. This is God's book. This is God's revelation. It's a complete revelation, amen? As I preach Sunday morning, we don't need tongues, knowledge, and um, prophecy. Extra biblical, brother uh, Jeremy. We just need the book. We need the inspired, infallible Word of God, the complete canon of the Word of God, amen, from Genesis to Revelation. When I was being ordained, they asked me about the lost books of the Bible, what I thought about the lost books of the Bible. I was in front of about 500 people. They didn't give me no counsel in a back room. They put me in front of the whole church. When I found out that, I whispered to my cousin Alfie. I said, Alfie, ask me if I believe in hell. I'll take about 30 minutes on that. Maybe they won't ask me any more questions. <laughs> But they did. And some guy, Eddie Ford, he's a missionary up in Chicago, and he reaches all these, these different nationalities. He's tremendous at it. He was one of my youth at uh, Claxton, Georgia. He stood up and he asked me, he says, Brother Wayne, what do you think about the lost books of the Bible? And I said, well, I'll just say this, Brother Eddie. And I didn't know about the lost books of the Bible. I couldn't name them. I didn't know where they were at. I fear if they're lost, I hadn't found them yet. I just said, I'm going to tell you this, Brother Eddie, if God can't lose a soul, I don't think he can lose a book. That was my answer. And I must have passed, amen. But anyway, folks, he wants you, and he wants you to believe that this word is full of lies, that this word is just God's word. Satan gets your mind, he'll twist you, and he'll pervert you, and as a man thinketh, so is he. He'll get your attitude and he'll get your actions if you'll get your mind. The warfare is in your mind. We ought to bring every uh, thought into captivity. That's why you shouldn't look at pornography. That's why you shouldn't listen to rock and roll music. That's why you shouldn't be brainwashed by Hollywood thinking that everything's okay. God is a big subject. And I believe A.W. Tozer said it great, the great Christian and missionary alliance he said this, I want, to list, I want you to listen to this quote. He said, no religion can rise higher than its concept of God. No religion can rise higher than its concept of God. And I want to say this, friend, if you go to a cult, they're going to lower salvation to your works, and thus you become your own savior because you've got to work for it. Folks, there's no way to work for salvation he finished the work at Calvary. Satan does not want you to understand who God is. And so immediately, in the first chapters of history, in the first chapters of the Word of God, Satan's trying to get Eve to think negative about God. And you'd be surprised how many young people in this new age movement that was going on, in this contemporary age that we live in, think little of God. To get the idea that God is withholding goodness. 
was this first lie. Lie number one. Lie number one. I said lie number one. Amen. <laughs> In it, just hit the button until it comes up. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Felt like that black preacher on radio one time. He couldn't read, and, he, and his wife was doing all the reading. And he got real upset with her. said, read, woman, read. And he just get louder. Read, woman, read. I said, if he don't watch, he's going to get slapped in the back of the head by that woman, and he ain't going to have a sermon. Amen? But anyway, say amen right there, Jack. But look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the servant was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What a lie. God didn't say that. He didn't say you couldn't eat of every tree of the garden. What did he say? You can't eat of one tree. And folks, Satan's trying to get Eve to think negative about God. To get the idea that God's withholding goodness from her. That God is not good. That's why we sang that chorus, that he's really cruel. Of course, God did not say that. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, see what he says. In Genesis chapter 2, 16, this is what the Lord said. I got the record on it. He said, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. You know what that's saying in uh, modern terminology? Help yourself. Help yourself. But I want to tell you something. The devil comes to you and says you can't do anything if you're a Christian. You won't have any fun if you put God first. You won't have any fun if you stay pure. You won't have any fun if you stay in church. I'll tell you something, and I'll tell you straight. My worst day is better than the best day of some sinner. Amen? Now, what Satan was trying to do, he was trying to get Eve to think, well, he's holding out on me. I can't have any pleasure. I can't have any fun. Everybody lives for fun. And folks, it's fun serving God. Say amen. amen. I have a little sense of humor on purpose because I look at your face, I know I got to. Amen. No. Uh, and, and you know, I, I try to have a sense of humor in my marriage. And uh, when we were going to have twins, Brother Peter, say amen right here. The nurse gave me this deep counsel. She said, she said to me, Brother Wayne, keep your sense of humor. I said, that is the dumbest advice to a new father of twins that passed out in, at uh, poor folks when I saw the, when I saw the ultrasound because uh, I, I got so overcome by thinking I'm going to be the father of twins. He said, keep your sense of humor. But you know something? That was great advice. Sometimes you just got to laugh or you're going to cry all the time. Say amen. <laughs> Sometimes you got to laugh when you get up three times a night. Sometimes you got to laugh when they get both get sick at the same time. Sometimes you just got to laugh. Or not laugh, but you just got to smile and say, God, you got this. I ain't got it. Satan, God was created Eden in all its luxuries, all its beauty, all its bounties. And God said to Adam and Eve, these children, that it's for you. Help yourself. But what's Satan say? So you can't even eat it. You can't eat any of it. Look at it again. Look at the lie. Yea, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. People think they're going to starve from fulfillment and starve from satisfaction if they become a Christian. 
Folks, you'll have more joy than the world can ever give you. And it'll last. Look at Psalms 37, verse 4. Psalms 37 and verse 4. I'm a little weak tonight, so I'm going to cut it to 45 minutes. Amen. Uh, Psalms 37, verse 4. If you can't find the book of Psalms, you're in trouble, and I can't find it. Amen. No, here it is. Psalms 37. Bring your Bible to church now. Check me out. Yea, hath God said, yes, he has said. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. You know why? Because your delights will become his delight, and you'll be delighted in pleasing him more than yourself. And that's the Christian life. Go to Psalms 84, verse 11. Psalms 84, verse 11. Someone put this uh, lie where it belongs, under the word. Psalms 84 and verse 11, the Bible says this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. What a promise. No good thing will he withhold for those that walk uprightly. If you're in the will of God, and it's the will of God for you to be blessed, he'll bless you. And sometimes he takes blessings away, and sometimes he allows you to suffer for his name's sake. But folks, you need to be Thankful for health. You need to be thankful for a wholesome life. God says, help yourself. Enjoy life. He calls it the abundant life. As a matter of fact, every time he says, thou shall not, he's really saying, don't hurt yourself. Because I want to tell you something, friend. The Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions, and it's not ten pieces of advice. They're boundaries of love. Can I put it that way? When I had my children at home, I would say, thou shall not walk in that street. Thou shall not at six years old get in my car and drive it. And folks, it wasn't because I was trying to hold out on my six-year-old. I was trying to protect their life and protect my car. Don't hurt yourself, is what he's saying. Thou shall not. But he's also saying, thou shalt. Folks, thank God for the thou shalls in the Bible. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. All the T's are together and they're alphabetical in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. The Bible says this. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Amen? Some Christians are afraid to smile. <laughs> Some Christians are afraid to have fun. Amen? We're starting a ball team up this, this summer. Brother Peter Miller starting a ball team. And a visitor came out the door and said, are you going to play? I said, you've got to be kidding, son. Have you ever seen me play softball? I said, when I play softball, it's all or nothing. I said, I slid in home, and I went through a fence in one game to catch a fly ball. And when I got home, my mother didn't tell me I couldn't play no more. My wife told me I couldn't play no more. And I hobbled around for three days, hurting, blistered, strawberries. Y'all don't even know what that is. And praise God, I said, I'll do it again next Monday if God gives me the strength. And she said, no, you won't. 
<laughs> and so I was like Jack. I submitted. Amen. No. And I thank God that I did because I'd be dead right now. Because I ain't got no sense when it comes to sports. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's all right to enjoy yourself. It's hard to play to win. Everybody says, oh, no, it's, it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Now, who, who ever thought of that? It's a lot more fun to win. Say amen. You're going to get out there, win. I wish somebody would tell the Braves that lately. But anyway, number lie, lie number one. Lie number one. God is not loving. God is not good. Satan will try to give you that, young people. Don't you believe a word of it. And then number two, God is not truthful. God is not truthful. He starts out this paragraph. Now the serpent was more subtle than all, any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said. First sentence to Eve. Yea, hath God said. And folks, doubt leads to denial every time. The first step, Satan got Eve to think negative about God. And then the second step was to think skeptical about God. Number one lie, God is not good. But lie number two, that the devil is trying to teach you and teach your children in your home to destroy your home is God's not truthful. I want to say clearly and plainly that anyone who causes skepticism concerning the authority and the accuracy and the acceptability and the impeccability and the fallibility and the authenticity of the word of God is doing the devil's work. Oh, it's just a little perversion. It's just a little modern uh, good news for modern men. I can understand it better than the King James. And you're indicting yourself because the King James is on the eighth grade level. If you can't understand that, you need to go back to school. You go back to school. Oh, I don't like the these and thous. I love it. See, you ever try to memorize some of those perversions? Man, it's hard to memorize those verses. I hadn't tried it, but I'm, you know, I looked at a couple, amen? And folks, I want to tell you something. God has preserved his word. God has is inspired. I can't wait for Brother Jeremy to uh, do those three sessions again on, on the King James Bible. We don't just say it's the King James Bible. He proves it. He proves it, why we believe the King James Bible. And folks, I'll tell you what, and you see about three or four hundred times that the blood of Jesus and the virgin is uh, taken out of the word of God and the blood atonement's taken out, that's enough for me. When they start taking out the blood, that tells me the word of God is being perverted, twisted. Today we have substitute many things for God's word. There's a thing called relativity. There's no fixed truth. There's no anchor. There's no standard. One time a professor in a university, you got to watch those professors that are liberal, stood up and said this, Students, I want you to tell you that there is nothing that you can say that's absolutely true. There's nothing that you can be absolutely sure of. And a student lifted his hand and said, Professor, are you sure of that? <laughs> and he said, Absolutely. He contradicted himself in one sentence. Folks, there is something you can be absolutely sure of. Relativity is of the devil. Everything's relative. There's nothing that's sure. There's nothing that's true. I'm going to tell you something. There is some surety. This book is the Word of God. That the blood of Jesus is the only way. Amen? And I'm sure he's coming again. Amen? I'm getting excited about my own preaching. Amen? Then second of all, there's subjectivity. 
well, I feel this or I feel that. Uh, tell me about your experience. That's the charismatic movement in one sentence. I don't care what the Bible says, I know what I experienced. Folks, your experience doesn't line up with the Word of God, then it's not the good experience. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. Say amen. amen. I've said that 10,000 times while I've pastored this church. Y'all going to hear it one more time. Matter of fact, I'm just going to say it again so the devil will hear it. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. Say amen. I tell you, uh, there's also rationalism. We bring logic and we bring our computers and we worship the shrine of our own intelligence. And you know, it used to be preachers get up and say, thus saith the word, thus saith the Lord. Now it's saying, thus saith the church and, and it seems to reason. Thus saith the mind of man. We try to put God on the scales. We try to put God in the test tubes. We try to put God in our computers, but God will not fit there. He's over it all. The world says we ought to be reasonable, but where reason cannot wade, faith must swim. Amen? Thank God that we have a faith in something we can't figure. And if God was on our level, he'd be a sinner. And if we we're on his level, we'd be God. And so we're man, he's God. Then there's pragmatism. I don't want to get hung up on this. But pragmatism is what the modern contemporary movement's based on. They don't ask if it's true. They ask, does it work? Does it work? Contemporary movement based on pragmatism, it means Whatever draws a crowd. Come on now. This ain't a big crowd today. Thank God there's more people back there than here. That's the only thing that encourages me. But I'll tell you this, friend. I'm not preaching for a crowd. I'm preaching for Christ. And God's going to give us the crowd back. We had 125 in Sunday school Sunday. I was thrilled. It was a crescendo of my year. I've been praying for a solid year. I thought this thing would last three weeks. Three weeks. Some churches are not even coming back together. They, they've shut the doors. But thank God we had 125 people scattered out over this place. And some kids almost jumped out of the bus before it stopped rolling to get back in their Sunday school class and come to a place of light, love, and laughter because they live in hell all week. And I know where they live. And we have to open it up for them. We have to buy an old bus and keep it rolling. But the contemporary movement is based on pragmatism. Whatever gets a crowd, we'll do it. We'll put rock and roll music up here instead of a choir. We'll put um, a preacher sitting on a stool and rapping instead of preaching. And the day I do that, y'all wake me up and give me another COVID shot and I'll just go, go off into the sunset. Amen. The day I sit on a stool and rap is the day you know I've lost it. And I think I'm just a rap star instead of a preacher. I've done lost my mind. But today I want to tell you something, it's accepted. They don't use the H word anymore. They don't want to offend anybody. Let's make everybody happy. Let's make everybody uh, feel good about themselves. Let me give you 17 truths on how to be successful. Well, I'll give you 17 books to tell you how to be successful. Joshua chapter 1, 8. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things about it be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. Folks, we better stay with the Word, not with pragmatism. Then there's postmodernism. Doesn't even bother to argue about right and wrong. They believe that there is anything, there's nothing, anything called truth, and what truth is to you is fine, and what truth is to me, and everything's relative, and everything's postmodern. And we have no fixed standard of faith or truth. We need to teach our children that the Bible is inerrant. We need to teach our children that the Bible is inspired. We need to teach our children it's infallible. It's the Word of God. And that sin is sin because God says it is. The devil does not want a society to get a fixed standard of truth. The truth's falling in the street, as Isaiah the prophet said. God is good. Say amen right there. And I'll tell you this, God is truth. Say amen right there. And now if you don't believe that, the devil's got you going his direction. Because here's the third lie. God is not righteous. Look at verse three, 4. The Bible says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Folks, that's a, that's a, that's a straight out lie. I'm saying this with all my heart. There is a wage of sin. And your sins will find you out. God is not really going to punish sins, what he was saying. There is not a God of judgment. You don't have to worry about facing judgment. God is good, but God is also righteous. God is loving, but he is also righteous. If you preach the love of God and you exclude the holiness and righteousness of God... You are using what the devil did in this chapter, a half-truth. And if you say that half-truth is the whole truth, then you're preaching the untruth. Don't ask me to repeat that. And you better watch out about these half-truths. You might believe the wrong half. And folks, the half-truth is, yeah, you'll, you'll know good and evil. You'll know, you'll know good and evil, but the, the truth he left out is you'll experience it. And Eve, you're going to die. And Adam, you're going to die. If they hadn't turned to God and got uh, salvation, then it went to hell. You see how Satan's moving them along? I mean, right after he establishes a family, he comes to the family and he divides and devours wife and husband. They start blaming each other. Well, the woman made me do it. Well, the devil made me do it. And folks, we have the blame game going on in the marriage. Immediately. But folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize that God is loving. God is good. God is truthful. And God is righteous. He's righteous. He gave the Ten Commandments. They weren't ten pieces of advice. They were commandments. He was giving the law. And the law without penalty is only advice. Folks, there is a penalty for not keeping God's commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You commit adultery, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6 and chapter 5, you will reap the consequences. Amen. I've had people sit under my preaching for years and years and years and go out and commit that sin and think they're going to get away with it. They're not going to get away with it. I have an idea that the Supreme Court of the United States of America, would, if they could vote on this, they'd vote 
and they'd outlaw hell as cruel and unusual punishment and say there is no hell. But I'm glad I don't have to go to the Supreme Court to find out if there's a hell because my, my Lord preached on it 13 times. That's good enough for me. My Bible mentions it 83 times. That's good enough for me, amen? And folks, there is a hell. But in these last days, there's what we call a new age movement. And I want you to know it's not a real new age movement. It started in this chapter. It started in this chapter where there's no personal God who's going to judge. That's the new age movement. It's only karma. Who in the world is karma? And if your karma's good, you'll keep moving up in reincarnation. But if your karma's bad, you'll come back down in your reincarnation. So the next life, you might be a worm. Yeah. Uh, that's right, you might be a cow. You might be a spider. That's why the reason a lot of them are, uh, all these new agers are vegetarians. They're afraid to go to McDonald's. They're afraid they'll be eating their grandmother. <laughs> That's a bad joke. But anyway, you keep doing it till you get it right. It's what the New Age movement says. Just do good. Get the karma. Get the karma moving. You'll go up. And then finally, you'll reach Nevada. They didn't say Nevada. It said Nevada. Whatever that is. An ultimate state of satisfaction. Folks, my Bible tells me there's a heaven and there's a hell. And there's a righteous God that won't put up with sin. God is too good not to punish sin. God is righteous. Could I preach that doctrine to you? God's good, God's loving, but God is right and he's righteous. Lie number four. You with me out back there? They done went to sleep. No, there they are. I thought they left, amen? Those big old screens in front of them, I couldn't see them. God is not gracious is the fourth lie. Look at verse four and five. Bible says, and the servant said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God does know that in the days that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's the half lie. Yes, you will know good and evil, but you will experience it. In essence, the devil is saying, since God is not good, and since God is not truthful, and since God is not righteous, there's no need to fear him. Now, I'm not talking about the fear that you think God's going to strike you dead any minute. He could, but it means that you respect him as God. You lift him up as a righteous God, a holy God, a God that you can only approach through the blood and the spirit, amen, and through his word. And folks, you need to uh, work your way up until you are like God, Eve. That's a lie. You can never work your way up to be like God. You don't need to depend upon God's what the devil was saying. The idea that God is cramping your style, you know. I've heard that over and over again. Oh, no, I don't want to get saved because I want to party when I go to hell. Hell will not be a party. You want him to be able to see your party going on. It'll be so dark and, and so horrendously sad. Eve, you need to be liberated. Satan's fib, Adam's rib, and women's lib. That's where that came from. God came to every woman to free her from every man. After all, he's a God of grace. And folks, I guarantee you one thing. The book of Galatians made women and men more equal than any other book in the, in the, world, in the world. 
And so don't you think that Jesus is trying to stomp you down, ladies. He's saying, hey, you're equal, but there's a different position. You've got to have a spiritual leader. That's why you men ought to pick up the slack and be the spiritual leaders. Because God's ordained that there be leadership. Two heads is a freak. But here it is. In the Word of God, he's going after Eve to get to Adam. Remember, Satan wanted to be as God in the first place. Isaiah 14, he got kicked out of heaven trying to be God. I will exalt myself. I will be God. And pride got him kicked out of heaven in the first place. So if that got him kicked out, he's going to try it on Eve and Adam and Eve. And Satan wants to work. He wants you to be your own God. He wants you to be your little autonomous, independent, fundamental God. This is called New Age. So New Age is not New Age. It started back in Garden of Eden. The New Age, but God created us in His image so He could have fellowship with us. Not that we could become equal to Him or like Him. It's amazing in the public school, you cannot mention Easter anymore or the resurrection of Jesus Christ but you can mention Earth Day. Oh, we'll celebrate Earth Day. Well, folks, who, who created the earth? Who created the day? You can't mention Father God anymore, <clears throat> but you can mention Mother Earth. All these terms are the lies of hell. Birds are God. Everything's God. Trees are God. God is in the air and God's everywhere. You're your own God, they say. Go back to these four lies and I'll close. Number one, they deny the goodness of God. He wants you to deny the truthfulness of God. And he wants you to deny the righteousness of God. And he wants you to deny, last but not least, the graciousness of God. God loves you, and God will give you all things that you need, not what you greed, but what you need. God wants you to enjoy eternal fellowship with Him. What could be any better? What could be any better than spend eternity in heaven and with God and away from all sin and Satan? The conclusion is you'll never overcome Satan and his lies until you... Claim Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, Brother Cody. And I close with this verse. My time's up. Revelation 12, 11 is how to get victory over the devil's lies. Look at it. Revelation 12, 11. I got one more, a couple more verses, but we're out of time. Revelation 12, 11. The Bible says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Here's how you can overcome Satan's attack on your home. Number one, get under the blood. Not a feel-good religion, but without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There must be the old-fashioned way of getting saved through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's a courageous confession. It says without, listen, it says the word of their testimony. That refers to the word of God. It pulls the veil of darkness and exposes Satan's lie. You want to know if Satan's lying? Read your Bible every day. You want to know how to identify when the devil's whispering to you 
to get out of the will of God, stay in the Bible every day. Be led of the Spirit. Then there's complete commitment. And they love not their lives unto death. I'm going for God every ounce, every inch, every nerve, every fiber. Even if I die serving Jesus, I love not my life unto death. That's what they were saying. And many gave their lives. Let me just close with saying this. Until a man is no longer afraid to die, he's not really ready to live. Folks, God wants us to die to self. And our best defense is a good offense. James chapter 4, 7 and 8 says, Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You'll never resist the devil until you draw nigh to God because you can't handle the devil. You can't even identify his lies. Eve fell for his lies. Adam fell for his lies. Four big lies. And all of them degraded the character of God. And let me just close by saying this. The best defense is a good offense. You need to walk with God and you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to be a man or lady of God and you need to stay in the spirit and walk in the spirit. And then when the devil comes and lies to you, you'll say, get behind me, Satan. God's good. God loves me. God's truthful. I got his word on you. God is righteous. I know there's a payment for sin. But God is gracious. And devil, you can't give me anything that measures up to what God gives me every day. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for this wonderful chapter to recognize how Satan tries to destroy our homes, our hearts, our marriages, our relationships by low-rating the character of God. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your righteousness. And we thank you for your graciousness. God, you're so good. If it wasn't for you, Lord, we wouldn't be here tonight. If it wasn't for you, I would have no desire to preach the word of God tonight. No desire to be in church. God, you planted that desire in my heart through the Holy Ghost. And the word of God when I was saved is just a young man. And I thank you for being so good to me that you rescued me from my home of, of despair and misery and pain and sin and saved this wicked soul. Put me on a higher plane. Stood me up on a solid rock. Gave me a life worth living. Lord, I'll just say I'm a satisfied customer. Lord, you've been so good. And you are so right. And you're so gracious. Because your word is so true. God, may we never listen to the devil's lies about who you are and about how enticing sin might be and how good we can become without you. Lord, may we hear the truth and let the truth set us free. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Got about five minutes, but I'm going to just take one. Let me say, preacher, I got something out of the message. I'm not just doing this to pat myself on the back. I preach if nobody's here. But you realize how Satan works. And you realize how much you need God. And how much you need His truth. And how much you need His Spirit. And you say, preacher, please pray for me because I want to drawn out of God so he'll draw out of me I want to resist the devil 
because I want the devil to flee from me. I'm tired of him being on my back. I'm tired of him being in my family. I'm tired of him trying to rob my children of sanity. I'm tired of him trying to divide my marriage. And boy, has he tried in the years past. You'd say, I'm not going to put up with his lies anymore. I'm going to rest and believe God's truth. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up? Maybe for somebody else too. It's just believing the lies of humanism, of new ageism, relativeness. Nothing's, nothing's relative. Nothing's truthful. Just, you know, let me be and let me live like I want to. I'm as good as you are. What a philosophy from the pit of hell. Father, thank you for this chapter. I've got a lot out of it. I wanted Brother Kevin to preach so bad. We won't get to hear him much in the future, but God, you had this message burning on my heart, and I had to preach it. So Lord, use it for those that's here, but also those that will listen later. As we asked all our Master Club leaders to listen to every Wednesday night, so they'll stay fed. God, help us to believe the truth and walk therein. In Jesus' name, amen.